All right. Today we've got Vec, Vec, Vivek, uh, and and I'm not even going to try to pronounce your your surname. Uh, but you, why don't you wh- tell me what wh- how to say it? And thank you very much for joining. The Vivek is easier. Think about mm-hmm. Avek, and then you'll get Vivek. So that's easier. <laughs> uh, Subramanian is the more tougher one. Lovely. And that's lovely. you can just make that a Subbu or a Sub if that's what uh, makes sense. Incidentally, well, my full that. name is Vivek Anand Subramanian. So, you know, if you really need to kill yourself, that's the full name. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, uh, let's start it out as we do. Uh, refresh all of our memories. What were you doing prior to INSEAD and what have you been up to for the last 20 years? Um, yeah, so uh, I had done about six years of work prior to INSEAD. I had done my engineering and started with a consulting firm, Arthur Anderson, uh, which then morphed into becoming Accenture, Anderson Consulting and Accenture. And in India, there was a lot of, um, this was one of the earliest consulting firms. We did a lot of strategic reviews, cost reductions for uh, for, for companies in India. I did some work outside of India in Malaysia and in and in London. And when I was in London, I I got to know about INSEAD, didn't know about it at that time. And um, it sounded fascinating, a one-year course, the fact that it's so international, it's in Europe, uh, all of that made great sense. And, uh, and you know, post, um, but, you know, I think our, our journey at INSEAD was, a, as you all remember, was well, a... Let, let, me, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you because I, 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 I suspect something similar just in India as it is in America. There's a bit of a stigma being an American choosing, you know, going to Europe versus staying in the U.S. Does something similar exist in India? Where, like, well, why don't you just go to MIT or, or you know, Stanford? Yeah, absolutely. At least in the in the business um, for MBA schools, I mean, most people I uh, knew were like, what is this in seed, in CA? How do you pronounce this? <laughs> yeah, What's the exactly. school? Uh, and why would you go to France? You know, they looked at me with, uh, with not, so, uh, <laughs> not so respectful looks there. But it was, I think... Um, you know, just the usual Harvard, Michigan's sort of obviously are well understood and appreciated. So, so I think there was that element of of scrutiny. But yeah, I think uh, once I think it does help in the last five ten years that INSEAD is sort of really right up there on the ranks, right? Now everybody looks yeah. back and says, "Vivek, wow, you took a great call." Pardon the interruption. Carry on, carry on. I'm just curious. Go ahead. Yeah, INSEAD was, um, look, we were crazy times. Uh, I remember my loan getting rejected uh, even before I got in. And so I had sort of begged, borrowed from about 20 of my friends and family from all over the world uh, with uh, with nice IOU notes that I wrote them saying, you know, uh, this will come back, don't worry. Uh, so my focus, I remember bulk of the time that I spent in campus uh, was in the library applying for jobs and getting whatever I could uh, on that front. The last thing I wanted to do was to get out of there not having a job. So it was a different time, but it was good. I joined an Indian family um, who I had worked for as a consultant before, but got a job um, uh, in London with the group headquarters, so as to say. Uh, trying to help them sort of do acquisitions around the world, bring their group companies together. Um, and it was an interesting role. What, what, hold, hold How did you find them? Were they recruiting on campus or did you... No, Joe, they were an ex-client uh, of mine when I had done work as a consultant. So I just okay, okay, okay. them and... Uh, so you were really mining your network whilst you were at INSEAD. To, true, to, yeah. true. And, cool. and, you know, classically used... A stalking horse. So I got a job with Chep, as I remember, along with Vineet at that time. So use that to go back to the family and say, guys, now I have a job. You know, these are my terms. Do you want to give me a, a role in London, which worked out very well for me, honestly. Uh, the, the reason to join them, of course, was 
back of my mind i thought while i wanted an international stint i thought it would be nice to have an india connect you know because my experience was coming from there and somewhere the the ability to get back would have been cool uh but honestly it happened much quicker jo uh the family had seeded a private equity fund uh, based out of dubai and you know i remember attending a couple of these sessions in <clears throat> in insiad on private equity and thinking about it said hey this is very interesting but doubt if i can ever get myself a role there and here i i got an opportunity through the family to go set up this uh, so the fund was in place but to sort of make the investments and 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 help the uh, the guy who had set it up um i moved from london to dubai uh, the fund was supposed to be a regional fund 2004 2004 wait i'm 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 having trouble so what were you doing before the private equity fund started for this family for the family we did an acquisition in austria they had group companies uh, across the world i was you know i acted like this uh so kind of doing private equity stuff already but just informally yeah more like a extended arm of the of the ceo right so of the of the family okay. so I, i you know for example um making sure there was a, a standard reporting pattern across all their group companies they were very they were very haphazard and it sort of bringing the whole uh group together in a more structured form was my endeavor uh, so like the operation side for their existing businesses now go off with this new fund go buy new stuff that's right that's right and the okay, fund okay. was you know, <laughs> Yes that was the original intent though the fund became far more explorative right they wanted to go and see new avenues tell us industries that we are otherwise not tapping because the family was otherwise in a very traditional metals fabrication business uh so so they wanted to think of life beyond that which worked very well um and then this fund which was as small as 5 million dollars jo uh we sort of got it to invest into india uh because india was taking off uh, at that time and um Uh, and we made great returns on that fund uh which then gave us the confidence to then say listen let's move out of the family monies and make this more a third party fund uh, with 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 of course the family being the gp and the seed investor but we then raised institutional capital uh, in the two follow on funds we raised a 125 million dollar fund and then a 250 million dollar fund and um, all of these were institutional investors you know i had still with like an indian thesis of oh, let's let's go buy companies in thesis in india absolutely so okay. mid market smes in india growth stage mm-hmm. focused um how so many we, how many how many non indian funds were there doing that back then uh, there were about i would say about 5 or 7 private equity funds in india focused on india which you would call mm-hmm. indian funds but the big boys the blackstones and carlyles of the world had all set up shop Nothing. there in india and uh-huh. they had also sort of come there thinking what they need to do but we had a huge head start uh, at mm. at that cool. time just being so called local yeah it really helped uh, having a track record there already um so did that for about 7 years jo it was great fun um i uh, i enjoyed but i mean i look back at that stint i enjoyed a lot more of the post investment side and i quite enjoyed building companies talking to entrepreneurs seeing you know how they are going about this and um, and in 2010 became quite clear that you know i had spent 6 years giving advice as a consultant or 7 years giving money as an investor but uh, you know i wanted to test myself as an entrepreneur do i really have it in me to go do the real thing and thankfully i had a couple of other idiots who thought like me and the three of us <laughs> decided that we'll be in, uh, entrepreneurs and we started this company called as fourth partner energy right and we are three partners who started it um one of whom is a 96 in sierra um and and uh, and uh, the three of us 
um, said the company is about the fourth, who's everybody else, our customers, shareholders, investors, stakeholders in its entirety. So, so that's the that's that's how we set this up, and it was built with a focus that we will supply uh, renewable energy solutions to corporates. That's how uh, we um, we envisaged it in 2010. India was going to go through a huge migration from a uh, from a from a power sector perspective. India even today has about seventy percent of its power generated from thermal sources, and so mm. renewable energy had to come in. Uh, I had seen what was happening in Europe, in the US, and India needed renewable energy even more than um, than what these countries do. And oh, this was what is what does thermal source mean? Like coal or, or so, something that puts yeah. puts smoke in the air? Okay, okay right. thank you, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, okay. using thermal meaning using coal to boil steam to generate power. Basically. Okay, okay. So, uh, so, so that's polluting and, and therefore needs alternatives and renewables are all about providing that alternative. Um, so it's been, Joe, 13 years in this business uh, and, uh, you know, we're still surviving, we're still growing and we've expanded beyond India to Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Indonesia, and Vietnam, where also uh, we have our establishments. So that's what I do. And I, I've got a whole bunch of questions with without being uh, too crass, but but uh, presumably these thermal energy sources are are very cheap. Uh, and I assume what you're doing is it, it can be expensive. Uh, maybe I want I don't want to I don't want to be presumptuous. Uh, How's it going from just an economics perspective for, for companies that only care about getting the cheapest energy possible? No, very relevant question. So as we started, Joe, the price of renewable energy was much higher than thermal. And therefore, we could use renewable energy solutions more as backup power solutions, you know, in case they didn't have power, which India had shortages at that time uh, and provided using a battery, etc. That made sense. Now, today, renewable energy is cheaper than thermal sources. So my per unit cost of generation for a renewable energy plant, I'll just put this in uh, in comparative terms, um, depends on the size, scale, etc. can be as low as, say, about three rupees a unit. I'm just using uh, the, the, the Indian rupee equivalent. And the same thermal generation source uh, can be a little lesser or more depending upon the technology, but has a recurring cost of getting uh, coal and and has variability on the price of coal that you have to um, that you have to put up with. My price of renewable energy is fixed for twenty five years, so I'm locking in the price for my customers for that entire duration. Now, customers, of course. So, wh- why do my customers therefore? Uh, so, I sell to businesses, Joe. I don't sell to corp. I don't sell to the government. You know, I'm not selling to other utilities. I sell to businesses. So, my customers are your Coke, Pepsi's of the world, right? And, and they buy renewable energy from us because it's cheaper than the price of power that they are charged by the distribution company. So they are saving money. It's a cost reduction tool. B, of course, it's cleaner and greener and they get to meet their ESG standards. But there's a third phenomenon that we are seeing, which is actually very fascinating for us. A lot of our companies who buy renewable energy from us have no choice but to be renewable energy fired because their customers in turn are asking them, are you renewable energy fired or no? Otherwise, I can't give you orders. So customers in Europe or US, whom Indian supply is to, uh, are insisting that their seats be renewable energy fired, that the premises be renewable energy fired. Now, this is very interesting uh, because now it's a business imperative. Uh, Corporates have to do it. 
uh, and no chance at all. So this is a great time to be in renewable energy in India. Uh, there's fabulous demand and growth that we are seeing on account of that. So what would be an example of, of, a, of, of an Indian um, manufactured, whatever the term is, that's, that's selling something to a European company that, that is, has been required to transition over? So take the entire specialty chemical space, right? You take anything in the chemical space. Um, if you're supplying into Europe or the US, the checks and balances are ethical practices of manufacturing, renewable energy fired, and be you know pollution control in play in India or no, right? They have outsourced for certain reasons uh, uh, for cost competency, but they also outsource um, and are you know think it is their responsibility to check whether um, it is being manufactured in a just manner as well. So. Uh, so that's a great example. You know, all all goods, take any goods that are exported through, right? Any manufacturing goods as well. Um, Apple is now setting up a massive base in India uh, as mm-hmm. an alternative to China. And as they're doing that, they're first making sure that not just their manufacturing locations, but even the supplier locations, the supply component suppliers to Apple's phones in India are also to be renewable energy fired. So it's it's a very... Uh, it's a, that's brilliant. Economy. That's brilliant. That's, that's interesting. I, I want to go back to the cost question though. So you're saying it's 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 cheaper on a per, you know, watt, kilowatt, however you, however you measure it basis. Does that include the kind of the, the upfront OPEX that you have to do? Or is that purely on, I'm sorry, CapEx, or is that purely on, on, on you know, operational basis? Correct. So no, what we do is, Joe, my business is therefore two parts to it. You know, there's an engineering part and there's a financing part. So what we do in renewable energy is to build the asset, is to then own it ourselves as well and finance it and mm-hmm. only sell the energy generating from it to the customer. So I am actually today, uh, think about it, I'm giving a 25-year loan to my customer in effect where they pay me month on month in the form of proceeds of sale of power. So um, so uh, I, uh, so very much it includes the CapEx cost, the cost of finance, the cost of operating it, running it, uh, for the duration. Well, you're, you're, you're incurring the, the CapEx. And to talk about how are you doing that? Presumably you've had a whole bunch of uh, you know, VC or whatever kinds of, of money coming in to build this stuff. And what exactly are you building? Correct. So I become, uh, I you know, so while when, when I sign up a new project, I, I have to put my thinking hat on where I get my solar panels from or where I get my wind turbines from, where am I getting my components from, but also where am I getting my capital from? So, so I'm, I also need to constantly keep raising capital uh, we've raised about, we've raised almost $250 million of equity and about five, $600 million of debt so far. So I, I own a little over a gig, I mean, the company owns a little over a gigawatt of assets today. Uh, and, and that's been uh, typically it's financed 25, 30% equity and about 75% debt. So, so I raised <laughs> equity uh, all the time. Who are you getting this money from? Can you say Equity, my two largest, uh, my two big investors are uh, TPG uh, from San Francisco uh, and their India operations. Uh, they have an impact fund called as the Rise Fund, uh, which they have invested in us from. And the other big investor we have, in fact, our biggest investor now is Nord Fund, which is the Norwegian sovereign fund. Cool. Yeah, so international cool. investors, right? So uh, who, who are in India because A, India is the only real growth energy sector in the sense that India electricity demand in India, Joe, go to the basics and fundamentals in this case, electricity demand in India is actually increasing year on year. Most of the countries because of energy efficiency or maybe in some form and shape a slowdown in their economies, electricity demand is going down and India's electricity demand is going up and we need to migrate from our 
you know, polluting thermal sources to renewable sources. So therefore, renewable energy has a has a double fillip in terms of its growth potential. And therefore, all these financiers are lining up for potential investments in India. These are these are like big name uh, investors. How do you find these guys? Oh, I've been doing the rounds. Look, first, again, <laughs> put this in context, right? So from 2010 to 2018, uh, I built this enterprise with a little bit of capital of our own, plus some angel investing, some VCs, uh, early stage investors. Indian, Indian angels, Indian angels or, or, Indian or angels, foreign Indian angels? Indian VCs. These are all, you know, people mm-hmm. in the market. And we raised less than a couple of million dollars, Joe, really small monies uh, in the whole duration of eight years to, but every year we focused on making, while we knew we are setting this up and this industry will attract what you would call today ESG financing, which is, you know, looking for impact, but we built it very much with a commercial intent, you know, so it had to be profitable. We've been focusing on profitability every year. Uh, and, and that's what the angels and VCs were looking for, right? Uh, and, and got that tick. But it's only in 2018 that I then, you know, we spent a year traveling around meeting about, I think, 50 plus uh, global investors, be it asset co-investors. We met the, you know, the, the strategic investors, the shells and and totals of the world. We met, uh, uh, you know, we met some venture cap, uh, some large private equity investors. Um, Joe, again, the background to this being, you know, just because I had been on the other side of the table, it helped, you know, being a private equity investor before really helped me also understand what would what they would need, the kind of models they they would pursue, and and how we could deliver what we needed to for them. But the big shift, um, I'm and I'll be, you know, I'm, I'm being honest here. The big shift actually came about primarily also driven from what India itself presents as an opportunity. It's nothing great that that I am doing, which is very unique to that front. To that front, but yes, um, we are the largest player in India in this front in this space of CNI. Um, uh, we could attract that kind of investor pool and that that allowed us to get the scale. Uh, but to a large extent, you know, the opportunity in India is a great uh, driver for all of these guys to be local. In fact, they all come to India. They're based in India. They have offices in India, all of these big boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's amazing. It's such a cool, great story of starting out, you know, small and dirty and getting, getting it, getting it going. Um, where where are you sort of in the marketplace? How, how many how many operators like you are there? Are you, are you the biggest one? Or are you you know amongst a few big ones? Yeah. So so in the, the the entire renewable energy industry has several players, but you know if you break this down, there are three segments that operate. Joe, one that generates what you would call large scale utility uh, projects. You know these typically be you know half a gigawatt or gigawatt kind of size projects that that supply power to the utilities themselves you know who then in turn supply it to the end consumers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so so that's a different play that's about that's about 70 percent of the market today uh, in India in terms of its generation for renewable energy and we don't operate in that space at all because there I see an inherent conflict it is about the lowest cost of capital there is no value that you really add we chose a niche segment from uh, inception, which is corporates. And we said, let's go to the corporates. They will need, you know, they understand service. And, you know, how can you package this beyond just electrons to say, this is about service. This is about giving them sustainability solutions. It's about telling them how, what should be their journey, step by step, navigating the uh, for them. Uh, so India is a bit like Europe, right? You, you, you know this. So every state in India is different. Every state in India has its own power policy, which is different. Um, uh, so I, I could I could go 200 kilometers north from where I sit 
And suddenly the power policy is different than where I am today. Now imagine a corporate who has multiple facilities in India having to navigate through these policy challenges and and more importantly, hedge his energy strategy uh, and, and have a sense of what he needs to do. So we, we become their partners of choice. We navigate this play for them and of course then uh, contract out and supply renewable energy to them. In that space of dealing with corporates, uh, we are one of the largest players simply because we've survived 13 years, I think. So uh, so just being there that long has helped us. Um, we are also one of the, uh, we're quite unique where, Joe, we built it as a full services uh, business. So I have a little shy of 500 full-time employees today in my firm. Wow. Yeah. So, you wow. know, so, so the firm has the ability to build assets. So we are a construction firm. We are an EPC company. It, um, it, so it does its own design. It does its own uh, procurement and construction. We have a 100-man um, uh, maintenance organization. So I have engineers who can go anywhere and fix plants if they're broken uh, or if they're uh, down for any reason at all. Um, and of course, we have an entire financing engine, which which I talked to you about as well. So, so just being able to do all of this in-house also gives options to my customer or comfort to my customer uh, that hey, this is a company that how, has, how does the um sorry sorry how does how does the I didn't realize you actually you've got your own construction people presumably they're building solar things and wind things and whatever other things how does the real estate work is is it is it leased to you by the client or is it a totally separate site and you transmit it transport it over to the both joe both so we are on site and off site on site on the customer premises is a little bit more complicated because i'll put it on a shed or you know i have to find some mm-hmm. uh, locations within his factory premises or we may be off site where i can build a plant say 100 kilometers from from here feed that into the grid and the client sets off that against what he consumes from the grid you know it's an accounting adjustments of sorts so which is what happens in the west as you all know so in this uh, in this context, construction is a lot of uh, is also about land acquisition. You know, we sort of have to you know make sure that the land acquisition process is just deal with farmers in certain cases. Make sure that we are getting vast and credible tracts of land closer to where the substations are. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have to then construct the plant. Sometimes these projects can go as long as a year, year and a half as well for for the larger size projects. Uh, so it is an intense activity there. And then, like I said, there's a 25-year contract to supply, which means for 25 years, I'm maintaining that asset as well. So we, you know, we'll have a maintenance team on the site. We'll have analytics that tell us where things are. All every single of the 2,500 plants that we operate today is on my phone. Generation um, <laughs> every 15 minutes uh, from my phone, I can shut down a, a, a plant if I want. Uh, we're running long, but I, this is this is incredible. Like you, you're running, you're, you're you've set up and you're 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 maintaining an amazing business. Uh, how big is your geographic footprint? Is it all uh, around near where you are in Hyderabad, or is it all over the country? No, we are there in 21 states in India, so we are there oh, in in, in wow. of India. Uh, and like I said, we are also in Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Indonesia, and Vietnam. <laughs> we are also wow. in these countries. These countries are small for me today. Uh, 90, 95 percent of my business is in India today. But in the next five years, some of these markets like Indonesia, we we are now, I think, going to scale up phenomenally there. Uh, All of these countries are probably where India were a few years back from their thinking on renewable energy. And they are all going to scale up now. I think the world is coming around to realizing that there is no uh, other alternative. Tina. Well, you're you're running just an operational 
monster, aren't you? Try, trying to, to coordinate all these, these construction projects and maintenance work and whatnot. That, that sounds like a quite quite an endeavor it is joe it is it's it's a, it's been a fascinating journey it's not been easy needless to say it's been a it's been a fascinating journey a fun journey um uh i'd love to think about what next you know the questions that were asked of us in the reunion and say you know when are you hanging <laughs> your boots you know, when can i hold host a podcast i would love to do this joe and not to say that you're retired but i'm just talking to people making time for for other stuff but i'll get there someday i'll get there someday joe. uh yeah yeah um <laughs> thank you so much for, for, for taking the time. This has been fascinating. I re really enjoyed learning what you're doing. Um, th thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Pleasure speaking. Take care. Bye-bye.